Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Do you ever ask yourself that? It says, God, why did you choose me? Why, why are you gracious to me? Why are you good to me? That song was written a long time ago by Chris Christopherson. And we're talking, of course, in uh, our series about Samson, chosen by God. And, and the sermon title is, Why Me, Lord? Because y- you kind of wonder, with all of Samson's issues, why God chose him. He was not a, he was not a perfect man. He had issues. He had, um, well, and, and you, you kind of wonder why God chose him. In fact, I read the story of Samson, and I noticed that the pattern of the past is somewhat broken. You see, the pattern in the book of uh, Judges is that the, the people sin and they, they start to follow other gods and, and, and so they're turning their back on the Lord. And so God raises up some of their enemies that are living around them and, and in that land and, and he raises them up to, to kind of punish them, right? And so that they would turn again to the Lord so that they would call on the name of the Lord in their distress. And then, so when they did call on the name of the Lord, then he would raise up a leader, a judge. And the, in the book of Judges, there's 10 of them that are listed in that, in, in that book. And each time, God raises up a judge and they deal, um, and they raise up and encourage uh, the children of Israel and they come together, they call on the name of the Lord and they repent of what they have been doing and turning their back on God. And then God, with the help of this judge that he's raised up, this leader, he brings them back. And then while the judge lives, the children of Israel are serving the Lord. But as soon as the judge dies, that cycle happens all over again. They begin to sin and follow other gods and, and turn their back on the Lord. And their memories are so short. And, but with Samson, that pattern is a little bit changed. And, and Samson, um, I mean, he was raised up. He was raised up as a judge. But um, he, never has, he never has really the leadership of the children of Israel. He never raises up an army. And his uh, judging is rather short, only probably about 20 years and, and, and he's really a one-man show. He doesn't, it, the result of his leadership doesn't, the children of Israel don't repent. They don't come back to the Lord. They don't follow the Lord again. As a matter of fact, um, one time, because he burned the, the crops of, of the enemy, and, and that story is where he ties the tails of the foxes together, <laughs> He catches 300 of them, puts a torch in between them, and then lights the torches and lets them go through the standing grain. Three, three, you know, so that's 150 torches you know, going through all of their grain and burning their crops, and they weren't very impressed. And so they came against Judah, with three, uh, and Judah raised up 3,000 men, and, and they're saying, why have you come against us? Well, because uh, uh, we're looking for Samson. <laughs> Samson did this on his own because he was angry at something, right? And so, as a matter of fact, so this army of 3,000, they don't go to fight the enemy. They go to get Samson to hand him over to the enemy, right? And so his, th- this pattern changes. 
And so Samson actually uh, agreed. And they say, they say to Samson, Samson, don't you know that, that the Philistines are over us? Okay, they were the, the kind of ruling over Israel at that time, or self-appointed, or actually God-appointed because God raised them up or gave them that authority. And so they were likely taking food and grain and, and whatever they want from the children of Israel or, or taxes or tribute. They were pro- probably paying. And so Samson agreed to go with these as a prisoner if they agreed not to kill him themselves. And so he, so apparently Samson wasn't very popular even amongst his own people. All of this is to say that Samson never did lead an army against the enemy. There's no evidence that any of the children of Israel repented or called on the name of the Lord because of Samson's position as a judge. So again, why was Samson imperfect and ineffective as a leader, really, uh, why is he chosen in the first place? And, I'm, and, and I want to read from 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 29. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame things that are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. So it would seem like pretty foolish to us that God would raise up a man like Samson who's a one-man show. He wants to do it all himself. But here's the thing, and and this is from Jared Wilson, um, God uses flawed people to share hope to a flawed world. Don't you love that? God uses flawed people, that's like you and me, we're flawed, to share hope to a flawed world. Throughout Scripture, we see God using imperfect people for the sake of his mission. He didn't call the popular, rich, or successful to further his ministry, but rather the poor, broken, and faithful. In this light, perhaps we'll see why God has chosen Samson. So I want to read from chapter 14. My outline is as follows. Uh, Three things. Samson the flippant. How do you like that word? Uh, Separation failure and sovereign fulfillment. So those three things we're going to talk about. So starting at verse 1 in chapter 14. And so last Sunday we talked about how um, the the birth of Samson was announced to uh, a woman that was barren. She is unnamed, uh, but she's the wife of Manoah. And it's an amazing um, announcement. And so it was the angel of the Lord that announced this, which is the pre-incarnate Christ. Uh, verse 14, and Samson's um, grown up. Uh, he's, uh, he's gro- we, we enter the story when he's uh, probably 15 years or 16 years into his life. And so verse 1, Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. And so he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Get her. I want that. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people 
that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines. They weren't very impressed. And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. When he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After some time when he returned to get her, he returned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it into his hand and went um, went along eating and when he came to his father and mother he gave them some and they also ate but he did not tell them where he had taken it uh, from and so his father went down to the woman and Samson gave a, a, a great a, a feast there for young men that's what they used to do and it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions with them. That's as far as we're going to go. You'll have to read yourself the rest of the chapter. Actually, read the whole story of Samson. It's so terribly interesting. So Samson the flippant. And that's a strange word again. And it's in my outline. And it's defined as Merriam-Webster says, lacking proper respect or seriousness. You know, just taking everything lightly, right? Um, Dictionary.com says frivolously disrespectful, shallow, or lacking in seriousness, characterized by levity. Again, the whole idea of, eh, yeah, nah, nah, you know, just like, just, just going along and there's, you know, nothing, not taking nothing too seriously. And so the Bible doesn't tell us how old Samson was when he died. I'm going to skip right to the end of his life here. Um, uh, but we know that doesn't mean the message is over. <laughs> By the way, I've been looking at my messages, and two Sundays ago it was an hour. Last Sunday it was 50 minutes. I thought it was way less than that. And so I don't know. I'll keep going until I'm done. Um, maybe it'll be 40 minutes. Maybe this is a pattern. Okay. Um, and, and we know that. So the, the Bible says that Samson judged Israel for 20 years. Okay. Now. Let's figure this out. We know that in that period, a man was considered eligible for serving as a soldier at the age of 20, right? And so this is, so if we do a, a, an educated guess, and, and um, th there's one more thing, actually marrying age, because Samson obviously saw a girl that caught his eye and he wanted to marry her, and marrying age was anywhere from puberty to 20 years old. Right? And so we can kind of guess that Samson was between the age of 15 and 20 when he said, hey, I want that. Dad, I, I, she pleases me well. I want that. Right? It's like that commercial for the source. Uh, but so based on all of that, an educated guess was that Samson died between the ages of 35 and 40. 
you know what? That's tragic. Because Samson had so much potential. So much potential. And so how was Samson flippant? Well, Samson failed, in, as I see it, in two main areas. Having respect for God's word and then understanding that there are consequences for your decisions. He was really didn't think about things like that. And, and so, and he, was a, and he was a man, like a judge Israel needed desperately, a leader, a man of God to bring them back. So this is so un, almost unbelievable that God would choose a man that didn't care about his word and didn't care about consequences. It's, it's almost unbelievable. And so he had no respect for God's word, first of all. Joshua told the children of Israel when he took leadership, when they were entering into the promised land, he said, be strong and courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper Wherever you go, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. That's Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Notice the emphasis on all. All of God's word. All of God's law. And certainly Samson was flipping about that. So the very first thing we read about, uh, about Samson's life as he's, getting, uh, as he's growing up there is that he sees this unnamed Philistine girl. And she has him completely twitterpated. It's like, <laughs> Dad, I want that one. Go get her. He's excited, he excitedly tells his mom and dad because in those days, the parents arranged for marriages, right? He wasn't doing this himself. Mom and dad had to do that. Can you imagine that today? Hey, girls, you, would you, you no? You don't trust mom and dad that much? <laughs> for the rest of your life. This is mom and dad's choice. This is my choice. Fiddler on the Roof. Okay. If you haven't seen Fiddler on the Roof, you'll know, I mean, then you won't know what I'm talking about. But what's the problem with um, I want that? I mean, Samson saying, she pleases me well. I want that. She's a Philistine. That was the problem. And the law of Moses strictly forbids marriage with any of those people groups that were to be destroyed. That's Deuteronomy chapter 7, 3 to 4. So we live in a time when God's word is not respected. Also, it, we, do we really respect God's word the way we should? When it comes to sexuality and marriage, God's word says that marriage is one man and one woman. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. A believer knowingly entering into a marriage relationship with an unbeliever is also wrong. It isn't particular popular. It's not popular to take God at his word these days. But God's word says that these things are wrong. It's not popular to live that way. Even among those who claim to follow Jesus, what can I do, you might ask? Well, determine with God's help to do what's right. 
for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Well, the second thing, the second thing is the consequences of his decision-making. Now, all through the judges, we have consequences after the people forget the Lord and, and then God raises up an army against them to, to bring them back, right? Deborah, after encourage, encouraging Barak, saying out this truth in a song, the verse goes like this. They chose new gods. That's talking about the children of Israel. They chose new gods. Then there was war in the gates. Not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. And so that, that was part of the song. So the, she's admitting in her song that the children of Israel sinned. And as a result of that sin, there was war. And the children of Israel had absolutely nothing to defend themselves with. That's not good. That's Judges 5.8. Why was there war? And why was there left nothing to fight with? Well, consequences of the decision to serve other gods. They didn't consider the consequences. I like Proverbs 20 and verse 17 in the Amplified Version. It goes like this. Food, food, <laughs> food gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth is will be filled with gravel. Just like sin may be sweet at first, but later its consequences bring despair. That's the word of the Lord. It might seem like it's a good idea for the children of Israel. They thought, well, you know, look at the other nations. They have all of these other interesting gods, and we have a God we can't even see. And we can't even make an image to him. Let's do what the other other communities are doing. Let's do what they're doing. Uh, not a good idea. It might seem like a good idea at first, but then it's going to be bitter. You're going to pay for it. Samson never thought about consequences of his actions. He made a wager. So this party that he threw, he made a wager there with 30 attendants of his... I would say that this was his engagement party, I think it's kind of like they were playing, can I say this? They were playing like strip poker. It's kind of like that because the, the bet was 30 pieces of clothing, right? And so if Samson lost the bet, then he would have to find 30 pieces of clothing to give to the 30 attendants. But if the 30 attendants couldn't guess his riddle, then they would have to give him their clothes. So it's that's kind of what I think it was like. Anyway, then when he lost, and that's because he actually told the answer to his wife-to-be, and she was a Philistine. And so she was a Philistine first, apparently, and not, not her uh, bride-to-be first. She was a Philistine first, and so she told, told the answer. And so before the a lot of time was up well the the riddle was guessed well it wasn't guessed it was told and Samson lost the the bet and so the consequences of him doing all of this was that he had to go and and this he, his anger he went out to Ashkelon and he went out and killed 30 guys and stole their clothes right so he kill, he went out and killed 30 guys brought their clothes back and gave it to the 30, but he lost his wife-to-be. 
she was given to his best man. What? <laughs> so he never really considered the consequences, right? Those were the consequences. Anyway, let's go to the next thing, is separation failure. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6.17, Come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. Paul is not saying anything new. God continually told his people to separate themselves from those who would influence them in a negative way. And so I've already talked about the command not to intermarry, uh, with the nations around them, but Samson had another more direct command to be separate. He was a Nazarite. And as a Nazarite, there were three things that the angel of the Lord told him that he had to pay attention to. The three things were he was to abstain from alcohol, no strong drink, nothing at all, right? So abstain from alcohol, don't touch a dead body, right? And then let you, you, you needed to let your hair grow. And so those three things that, that, that are mentioned that he had to pay attention to. But again, because of Samson's flippant attitude, he took all three of these things way too lightly, and eventually it led to his death. And so abstaining from alcohol. Now this is a, it, it, it doesn't say in Scripture that he drank, but let me say that in verse 10 it says, so his father went down to the woman, his father went down, so his father was the arranger, right? But it says here that Samson gave a feast there for young men used to do so, right? And so this is, he went down to the bride's place, which is opposite of what the children of Israel would do. The children of Israel, it would be at the groom's place, not at the bride's place, right? And so he was going into their culture and doing what they would do. And what they would do is party and have alcohol, and it lasted seven days. I mean, it was it was a it was a party. It was it was like an engagement party, and then the the, the wedding would happen. Actually, the wedding would happen immediately after. It was the wedding. Um, they, they were celebrating that the wedding was going to be taken place, but at the end of it all, Samson lost his bride, and and but so can you. Samson gave this feast, and, and I'm sure it wasn't a dry bar. It was a party in a pagan community. There would be lots of merriment and lots of alcohol. And so now to be clear, just because there's alcohol at the party and even, uh, and even bought and paid for by Samson, because Samson, it says, did the party. He gave a feast. And so it was Samson that paid for all of this. That doesn't mean that Samson drank, but if you look at the wager and the surrounding context and into Samson's disregard for his parents' wishes and advice, we can assume, I think, that Samson indulged, right? So abstaining from alcohol, I think he broke that. Uh, number two, don't touch a dead body. Well, when he lost his... When he lost the wager, he went and killed 30 guys. I think he had to touch a dead body to take the clothes off of them and give them to the 30 guys at his party. And so there's that. But also, th there's the lion that attacked him, right? This lion that came upon him suddenly, right? He killed it. 
Could be weeks later he went back and there's a bee's nest in there and he grabbed the honey while well, he had to touch the dead body to get the honey. And why w would the scripture say and he didn't tell his mom and dad where he got the honey from? Because he touched a dead body. He was guilty. And he didn't want to tell. And so then let your hair grow is the third thing. Chapter 16 has all the details about this one. We'll look at that next Sunday. As our, as our final message about Samson. But again, um, no razor was to uh, touch his hair on his head, right? And so his beard would have been, you know, he would have had a big beard and his hair would have been long from, you know, 20 years of growth. And, and so Delilah... She turns out to be a spy for the Philistine military and she digs out the secret. She keeps on asking him, what's your secret? Why are you so strong? Why can't anybody hurt you? And so he eventually tells her. And, and, and so I, I don't get this. Maybe he'd been drinking too because he fell asleep on her lap and he didn't hear anybody sneaking in to cut his hair off. And they cut his hair. And then, and then she says, wake up, Samson, wake up. And so they, they cut all of his hair off. And he didn't wake up until she yelled, Samson, Samson, the enemy is upon you. And then he woke up. So uh, again, that, I'm just, that's, just, that's just me filling in the blank, filling in between the lines. I think he was maybe had a little too much to drink. But what was the real issue here? What was the cause of Samson's failure? We could say that he had moral issues, which is true. He had a problem for sure with lust. I mean, oh, she pleases me. And, and so just before he met Delilah, he'd gone into a harlot, right? And the Bible talks about that. And so it's, uh, he did have some issues. There's no doubt about that. He certainly didn't take God's word seriously with his flippant attitude. He didn't consider consequences of his actions. But ultimately, I think there's even more to it than that. If we consider the Nazarite vow, Samson was to live a life different from anybody else. He was to live a life that was separated this would be in contrast to the rest of the children of Israel and an even an, a bigger contrast to the Philistines. He was to live a life of separation from the culture around him. Now, we're called as believers to live a life of separation, aren't we? Not separation. Now, listen carefully. Because he was not only to be separated from certain things right? He was to be separated from alcohol. He was to be separated from, you know, certain things he was to be separated from, right? But he was to be separated unto the Lord. There's those two things, and those two things need to work together. And I'm a, you know, Gary Enrig explains it this way. If it was not in the Nazarite code, Samson went ahead and did it. But he lacked the warm-hearted love for God. By his position, Samson was dedicated to the will of God, but in his heart, he was not de dedicated to God whose will it was. His separation was formal, 
and legalistic. That's Samson's separation. And I feel sorry for the follower of Jesus who sees separation in that way, where it's formal and legalistic. They might say, and I don't drink, separated from that. I don't smoke, separated from that. I don't dance, separated from that, right? And I don't hang out with those that do, separated from that. They're separating themselves from all of that, right? Because God says, come apart and be separate. Be holy, for I am holy. And they're serious about it. They're separated from all of these things, right? This is kind of a negative separation. And it's not a biblical separation. It's not a spiritual separation. It's legalistic. We are called first and foremost to give uh, to, to a positive separation. That is a joy-filled relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are separated to the Lord Jesus. We have, do, we under, do I have an amen for that? Any, anywhere? Amen? Come on. Amen. We are, we, we are separated to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not... I mean, that's first and foremost. And when we are separated to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are going to be in so in love with Jesus that the other kind of separation will come natural. It will follow. And not the other way around. You don't get from there to separation to Jesus. You get separation to Jesus to the other. And that's the way it is. And and uh, when we are separated to Jesus, our hearts are set apart unto the Lord. There we will find true and genuine faith. Well, sovereign fulfillment. Here's the kicker. In Samson's imperfect life, God never gave up on him. And at times it appears that God is helping him disregard his own laws. As we read this, it can be pretty confusing. Judges 4, 14 and 4. For example, it says here, um, and, and this is, the, it says, Dad, I want that woman, right? She pleases me. I want her as my wife, and she's a Philistine. God's law said, no, that's not appropriate. But here it says in verse 4, but his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Is that a, is, does that mean the word of God it contradicts itself? Or when he fights and kills the Philistines just for their tunics, we're told that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and then he did that. And then he took their tunics off their dead bodies, which he wasn't supposed to touch a dead body doesn't say they had to be dead for six hours first and then he uh, and in that six hour period you you had a an, a period of grace where you could touch the dead body but um no it doesn't say that he wasn't to touch a dead body but the spirit of the lord came on him mightily on judges 14 4 dr norman geisler says this it must be realized that although Samson had been dedicated by his parents from birth to serve the Lord as a Nazarite, he was not totally committed to the Lord himself. Samson became a willful and self-centered person. 
He was not of a mind to go and do battle against the Philistines for spiritual reasons because he didn't care. As a matter of fact, Samson fit really well into the Philistine community and into their culture. He liked it. And so he, he had no problem with the Philistines. He was big enough to take care of himself. And so he had no, no incentive really to go against the Philistines, which is what God needed at this point. And so Samson became a willful and self-centered person. He was not of a mind to go do battle against the Philistines for spiritual reasons. He was very comfortable with the enemy and with the world. Consequently, to arouse him to do battle with the Philistines, God used Samson's own self-interests to incite his anger against the Philistines and to bring about the deliverance of Israel from oppression. So God used his lustful ways, his flippant attitude, all of that God used. It wasn't, was Samson obedient? No, I don't think he was, but God used it. So God uses imperfect people to accomplish his purpose and his will to build his kingdom. Why? Why does God use? Have you ever asked that? Why? And we back to the beginning. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons why God uses imperfect people. Well, because imperfect people, first of all, are the only people that God has to choose from. We're all imperfect. All of us. We're all imperfect. There's no other choice. That's not a, an excuse to remain in, in bad, sinful habits. Paul asked the same question in Romans 6.1. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? And his answer to that is, of course not. Come on, you guys. You've died to sin. Why should you remain in it? Number two, imperfect people have no choice but to, to depend on the Lord. Right? When you come against a, a situation and when you're imperfect, you need to depend on the Lord even more. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Could have been a sickness. We're not sure exactly what it was. He's, he described it as a messenger of Satan to buffet him, to, to, to bug him. And so he, three times, three seasons of prayer, he begged the Lord to take whatever this was away. Maybe it was to heal him. And God said, nah, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul said, because the Lord told me that, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, difficult, uh, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. That's First Corinthians chapter th uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And then third, why does God use imperfect people? Because God gets the glory when imperfect people are used. God receives the glory. Peter and John were commanded not to preach in the name of Jesus. Well, they were imperfect. Those did, and, uh, but the Jewish leaders, 
when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men or imperfect, right? That they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. And so here it is, the big finish. If God used Samson for his glory, then God can use you too. If God can use the imperfect Samson for his glory, then God can use you too. Only one question remains. Are you willing? Are you willing? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life of Samson and that in, in kind of a, a backwards way, it is an encouragement to us because you do use imperfect people for your honor and for your glory to, to, to write your story. Um, you use us. And Father, I pray that by your, the power of your Holy Spirit that you would do something in our hearts to say, yes, Lord, uh, even though I'm imperfect, I will be used by you. My heart is with you. And so help us in that way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord walk beside you to comfort you. May the Lord walk above you to watch over you. May the Lord walk behind you to keep you safe. And may the Lord walk before you to show you the way. God bless you. We are dismissed. Go in peace.